you have a copy of your scriptures, please turn to Jeremiah chapter 26. Jeremiah chapter 26. This basically marks the halfway point of Jeremiah. Now, if you read a commentary on Jeremiah, they're going to tell you that 26 seems to have more third-person narratives than first-person narratives, and there's always arguments of how Jeremiah is laid out. Uh, just so you know, Jeremiah is a prophet of God. It seems that all five kings that he dealt with, including kings from other nations, were trying to shut him up. If you want a real quick, easy, what's Jeremiah about? Oh, he's the prophet they kept trying to shut up. They kept trying to kill him. They kept trying to shut his mouth because they didn't want to hear the bad news that Judah was under condemnation of God because of their sin. So they kept trying to shut him up. And God kept protecting him and protecting him. And even when Jehoiakim destroyed the text that we're reading today, him and Baruch, which was his sidekick, his amenuenius, his secretary, they, they wrote another one. So it seems that 1 through 25 is the, the I section, the first person section of Jeremiah. 26 through 45 seems to be the third person narrative that Baruch wrote. Now, do I take a hard and fast line with this? No. But if you believe that, it's okay. We can have dinner and talk about it one night. So, with that said, we're going to ask the Lord to bless the preaching of the Word of God and the reading of the Word of God. And I pray that we will be encouraged as we see this great story of people really trying to kill Jeremiah. It reminds you a lot of the trial of Jesus Christ. So let's ask the Lord to bless us as we read and hear the scripture preached. Father, we come before you and we're thankful for the book of Jeremiah, this prophecy that is often not in chronological order, but we know in your providence that there is an order to it. Sometimes we guess, sometimes we're wrong, but... We know that it's the word of God. We know, Father, that men under inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote this. It was preserved for us. And it is living and breathing. And it pierces our marrow. It changes hearts. It convicts us of sin. It encourages us. It shows us your son Christ. And we pray all those things will be seen through the reading and the preaching of the word. We pray that you would work. In our hearts this evening, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 1 through 15. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of the Lord all the words that I command you to speak to them. Do not hold back a word. It may be they will listen. Everyone will turn from his evil way, that I may relent of this disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, You will not listen to me to walk in my law that I have set before you and to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets whom I send to you urgently. Though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. The priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, 
Then the priest and the prophets and all the people lay hold of him, saying, You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priest and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death because he has prophesied against this city as you have heard with your own ears. Then Jeremiah spoke to the officials and all the people saying, the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard. Now therefore, mend your ways and your deeds, and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon the city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to speak all these words in your ears. And thus is the reading of the very words of God. I was at my grandmother's house for Mother's Day. I saw my mom, I saw my grandma, and I remember playing Monopoly in her little tiny house, in this little tiny kitchen area. I played with my grandma, my grandpa. The older I got, I started playing Monopoly with my dad. And I realized there's one spot that I used to land on all the time. I'd make it past free parking, and I think it's right at the 30th spot. There's a go to jail. And I always seem to roll, go to jail. Not very good at dice game, and I always have to go to jail. And then, then I learned at 4 p.m., you, you ever heard that? I was this old when I learned it. I was just this old when I learned that you could pay $50 to get out of jail. That's all you had to pay. I thought it was like $100. You had to roll doubles three times, and you had to stay in there. My grandpa made me stay in that jail so he could win that game. And I just thought about that, a little upset. Even now, I'm upset thinking about it. But you pay $50 and you get out, or you get this get-out-of-jail-free card, which is two in the entire game. We know what a get-out-of-jail-free card is. As a matter of fact, you may not know this, but it's quite interesting that Queen Elizabeth I in 1567 was trying to raise money for her royal navy. So she created a lottery, 1567. One of the prizes was money, and the other prize was a get-out-of-jail-free card. As long as you did not murder anyone, and the other one was as long as you didn't disagree with her ruling. right? Get-out-of-jail-free card. Jeremiah is preaching to people who thought they had a get-out-of-jail-free card. As long as the temple was standing... As long as they were Jews, as long as they lived in Jerusalem, the holy city of God, they could live any way they wanted to live. And the moment an army came against them, they said, God, jail free card. We're Jews. We have the temple and we live in Jerusalem. Yeah, but you're idolatrous. Get out of jail free card. No judgment. I can send all I want because I have what? Get out of jail free card. That's what they thought their city was. That's what they thought their temple was. And here comes Jeremiah telling them, oh, that's not the way things work. He's going to tell them five things. The first thing he's going to tell them is you're going to see the, the content of prophecy. Prophecy has a content. He's going to tell them there's some things in prophecy. The second thing we're going to see is the good news of prophecy. 
Third thing we'll see is the bad news of prophecy. Fourth thing we'll see is the unveiling of prophecy. Prophecy unveils some things inside of you. And the fifth thing we'll see is the effects of prophecy. Five points. Content of prophecy, good news of prophecy, bad news of prophecy, unveiling of prophecy, and the effects of prophecy. And as we look at the content of prophecy, we need to see what Jeremiah is saying here. Now, we know the exact date. When I say exact, somewhere between August 609 B.C. to March 608, because we know the exact date that Egypt came in to Jerusalem and forced Eliakim, that's his name in Chronicles, we know him as Jehoiakim here, forced him to be the king. They didn't like the son that replaced Josiah, but we read in verse 1 of chapter 26, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. We know the exact date when this word came to Jeremiah. We know the exact date of when it took place. And this is the content. Thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of the Lord. Now, you're going to see this in Jeremiah 7 also. Probably in Jeremiah's account and here's Baruch's account. And Baruch is going to take a step back and show us the whole big picture of what took place. But Jeremiah didn't just preach the temple sermon one Saturday, which was one Sabbath day. It was probably a sermon that he preached on multiple occasions. You have to remember, it wasn't a big service that he was holding and everybody coming gathered around. He preached this like one of those sandwich board preachers. As people are going into the Staples Center or going into Madison Square Garden, have you ever been to a big basketball event or football game there were often times people stand there with sandwich boards and they preach judgment 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 and people are like could you just shut up that's what people say as they're walking in and here comes jeremiah saying thus saith the lord as people are going into the temple to worship now why is he preaching judgment against people coming into the temple to worship well you need to understand they were also leaving the temple and going home and worshiping false idols they were also, once a year, offering their babies as sacrifices to false god and, and burning them in the fire to Molech. They were also going into the temple, and they had different horns and different idols they had put on top of the different places in the temple because just in case the other gods were right. That's the reason Jeremiah is called to tell them, listen here, this temple is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. You don't just get to worship any way you want to worship. So why are these people even going into the temple in the first place? Well, they thought as long as we go to the temple, we can live any way we want to live. We know what that old law says. We know what that old Bible says. But you know what? We've got the temple. How many people say, well, I've been baptized or, or I go to church. I'm a member of a church. No. He says there's no get out of jail free cards. Thus says the Lord, you stand in the court of the Lord's house. And you speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of the Lord and speak all the words that I command you to speak to them. Don't you hold back. You speak my whole counsel. You speak everything that I give you. Isn't that a problem in today's world? Preachers enjoy preaching sometimes, but sometimes they don't like preaching the whole counsel of God. There's this Christian lady who wrote a book, and, and this is what she said. It's a very popular book. I knew that God communicated to me through the Bible. 
but I yearned for more. Increasingly, I wanted to hear what God had to say to me personally on any given day. We've got the Bible, but I want to hear what God says to me personally. So I'm going to shut my Bible, and I'm going to sit there and hear what God has to say to me. This is dangerous. Jeremiah is telling them, thus says the word, thus says the Lord. You can't sit and create ways in which God speaks to you. He speaks to you through the prophets. He speaks to you through Christ. He speaks to you through his revelation of God's word specifically. People don't want to hear everything that God has to say. I mean, people think, I mean, hell is harsh. Who wants to hear about that thing or sexual ethics? Who doesn't like having fun? Living together now is just commonplace. I heard a friend, I'm not going to mention his name. Well, you know, this person's coming to our church now. He's living, you know, he's going to become a member. He's living with his girlfriend. We're going to work with him on that. I was like, what? Excuse me? Yeah, we're just going to work on it with him. I'm like, it's just a different world than we live in. We used to call that sin when you live with someone before you're married. But just times are changing. Jeremiah says, though, times haven't changed. You speak to them all that I've told you to do. And look at this last thing we see in verse 2. Do not hold back a word. Not one word that I tell you to speak. It's reminiscent of what Jesus says. Verily, verily, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till it be fulfilled. Little letters. Little tiny letters. I think they're letters. Yod and the Resh and the... In the Hebrew, two little tiny letters. Even the little letters won't pass away. Words are important. God is telling Jeremiah, don't tell them they can pick and choose what they want to hear. It's either all or nothing. You believe everything or nothing. See, these people were idolaters. And we can't say anything. We, we can't say we're better. How many times have we picked and choose what we'd like to see in the Scripture? Well, I know it says that, but I I, I don't want that. That I like. Is that a Drake meme? Oh, yeah. Right? We pick and choose what we like in the scripture. Jeremiah says, no, we can't do that. Which brings us to the second part of the sermon, which there's the good news of prophecy. And I wish I could, I've said this three times now in my Jeremiah series, and hopefully it gets in your, your brain. Jonah is not a false prophet. Jonah prophesied, in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. And Nineveh wasn't destroyed. That doesn't mean he's a false prophet. You have to understand the nature of prophecy. Sometimes these warnings are actually good news. And the good news is, you tell them everything because... There's a chance, and I say a chance because we don't know the sovereign will of God. There's a chance they may repent and God won't destroy the city. Look at verse 3. It may be they will listen. This is why you should say everything, Jeremiah. It may be they will listen and everyone will turn from his evil way. That I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them. Because of their evil deeds. God says you tell them. And you offer the free offer of the gospel. Who knows. Perhaps they may repent. 
Well, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? When we share the gospel, when, when Roland Barnes here is preaching and shares the gospel, when Martin Antoon, as he did this morning, shared and presented the gospel, when Pastor David stands up here every Sunday and presents the gospel, what does he do? Perhaps what? I tell you hard things, perhaps you may listen and repent. Because we know what happens when people preach the gospel. Oftentimes, they repent. This is what takes place. God is gracious. Some of you think, well, where does Calvinism fit in this? Well, well, if you ever read Jeremiah, you have to read Calvin's commentary. It's absolutely incredible. This is what Calvin says about this verse, just so you can hear from the horse's mouth. I don't know why we call him a horse. But anyway, from Calvin, he says this. We may hence gather a general doctrine. This is something general that we can learn. That God is especially displeased with us. It is yet an evidence of his paternal kindness when he favors us with a prophetic teaching, when he warns us. For that will not be without fruit except it be through your own fault. Meaning this, God is kind and gracious to give us these warnings. And if you reject them, it's your fault, not God's. It's on you. God is kind enough to send us prophets to warn us. And if you reject that, you can't say, well, well, God didn't ordain it. God made me this way. Oh, no. You can't blame God. So you understand, yes, God doesn't change his mind. We see that in Numbers 23. God doesn't change his mind. God never changes his mind. Psalm 110, God doesn't change his mind. Jonathan Edwards wrote a whole sermon, God Doesn't Change His Mind, which you can't read unless you pay $75 for a book. You can go on Yale University and read it for free at the Jonathan Edwards Center. But Jonathan Edwards says, you may sooner pull down the sun and the moon and the heavens than alter God's decrees and purposes, for he never changes his mind. See, we don't know God's deep, deep secret counsel. Remember he asked Job, where were you, right? You weren't invited but we're not invited to God's secret counsel. We don't know the mind of God. We don't know his secret will. But you know what he reveals to us? We know his character, don't we? And his character is he makes salvation possible. We know his character 100%. That if someone turns to their sin and cries out to God, he saves them. We know God takes people back. We've seen it all throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation God is a kind and gracious God, and he takes people back. This is why we share the good news. This is why we warn people. Why? Perhaps they will repent and trust in Christ. Because God is a good God, and he takes people back. We've seen the content of prophecy. We've seen the good news of prophecy. And now we're going to see the, the bad news of prophecy. Friday, I had lunch with a PCA minister from St. Simon's Island, and he was telling me a story in Alabama, how he lived five minutes from this Christian university, the small Christian college, and then he lived about 30 minutes from the very large school in Alabama. And he said he used to go to this little small school to teach some of his members how to evangelize. And he said they go to this little small Christian college, and he goes, lo and behold, no one's ever, no one's ever sent on that campus. He goes, it's crazy. They're all Christians. They never sinned. They never did anything wrong. They couldn't understand the gospel. He said it was like talking to a brick wall. Well, I mean, they're, 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 I mean, no. I mean, like, you know we're Christians. We go to this college, right? 
He goes, it was just fascinating. He'd go to the state school, and people were like, yeah, we sin. We're okay with it. But at least they knew they sinned. They were even halfway there, right? <laughs> you, you have to understand that you sin in order to know that, that God will save you. You have to know the bad news in order to get the good news. And I think of two magnets. I don't know if you ever tried to push two magnets together. It's like, it's almost like you're trying to control things in life, right? You push them to the, they're just always going back and back and back. The more sinful you are, the more depraved you are, then the greater your salvation is. See, but if, if you're not that much of a sinner, then there's not much salvation. But if you are completely dead in your trespasses and you deserved every, all the wrath of God, you deserve so much, you deserve death and hell, then that makes your Savior greater. So the more sinful you are, the greater your Savior is. And we know Scripture tells us we're great sinners, but just think about those things. We need to hear how bad we are. And, and this is what Jeremiah is saying. Jeremiah is told, the Lord says, you speak to them and you, you tell them how bad it is. Tell them how bad their cities become. Verse 4, you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me, to walk in my law that I have set before you, his laws, the entire word of God, live a holy life. Verse 5, and if you do not listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I send to you urgently, which we'll see another prophet that came to them next week. Jeremiah wasn't the only prophet. Though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. When they heard Shiloh, it resonated. So you need to remember when the children of Israel were called out of Egypt, God protected them in the desert. It's hot in the desert, but he gave them a, a cloud. He always gave them shade. Right? Everything else was sunny and hot. They had, they had shade because God protected them as they were wandering in the wilderness over and over and over again. Then at night when it got cold, they, they, got, they, they had fire. This pillar of fire came out. And they made this tabernacle. Wherever they went, they went and set it up. There were sacrifices made. It was a place where God met with them. It was a holy place. When they made it to the promised land, they went to Shiloh and they set the tabernacle up there. Because it was the place of peace. No more wilderness wandering they've driven everyone out of the promised land they're gonna make this place a shiloh people came from all over to worship in shiloh this is the tabernacle and they would share the stories of old how god blessed them and protected them how god met with them in a special way this is shiloh kids would go we're gonna go to shiloh this year it was an exciting place and eventually it turned into you know what We've got Shiloh. There's no one can mess with us now. We can do what we want to do. We have a get-out-of-jail-free card. And the Philistines came and destroyed Shiloh, leveled it. Can't even find it on the map. It's destroyed. Jeremiah is warning them, if God destroys Shiloh, he will destroy this temple. Don't put it past God. If you live a sinful life, he will destroy you. And then 
some people get the attitude that God can't destroy the USA. I want you to think about that. Maybe you thought that a few times. Oh, God would never destroy us. There's too many strong churches here. Ask St. Augustine. Wrote a book called The City of God. Why? Because people thought, there's no way God would destroy Rome. There's a bunch of Christians here. You remember Rome was the most powerful nation the world has ever seen? Probably more powerful than the USA. And it's gone. That should remind us to get in our face and to worship the Lord and also recalibrate our thinking. But you know what? We live in a different world. This, this is the place God has us to live. But you also need to understand God did not pass over Shiloh. He didn't spare Shiloh. But he also didn't spare his own son. Remember, remember Jesus was perfect, but he who knew no sin became sin for us. And God didn't spare his own son. Why do we think he'll, he'll spare other things? See, this is a thinking that Judah got in trouble with. Get out of jail free card. God will spare us. No, he didn't spare his own son. He didn't spare Shiloh. And if you live a rebellious lifestyle, he's not going to spare you and he's not going to spare this city. Which brings us to the fourth part of the sermon, the unveiling of prophecy. I want to challenge you. Go up to a two-year-old kid who has a toy and take that toy. Challenge you. Why? See what the kid does. You think the kid's going to say, you know what? I love you. It's yours. No. That's not what they do. You know what happens when you take a toy from a two-year-old or a three-year-old. You're lucky that they're only two or three because if they had that same capacity and they were an adult, they'd, they'd, they'd probably kill you to get that toy back. Prophecy has a way to unveil idols in our life to the point we get that angry. Look at verse 7. The priest and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. When Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priest and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him saying, You shall die. You touched our get-out-of-jail-free cards. You touched our city. You touched our temple. Now you're going to die. Isn't it reminiscent of how Jesus touched the power of the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees? Remember, they wanted all the power. They wanted the power. And the moment Jesus says, I'm King of kings and Lord of lords, my kingdom's not of this world, they hated that. They wanted to kill him. Do you have something that you like to shine, an idol? Maybe it's not an idol you worship, but maybe it's an idol of the heart. My money. Mine. I earned it. Oh, you, you, you mean the help that you have is from you? God didn't give you two legs and two arms and a brain to work? No, that came from the Lord. He didn't set you up. And give you the opportunities. I'm in charge. Oh, God didn't give you that authority. Last I read in scripture, all authority is given by God. Or We have freedoms. Yeah, you, you do. Last I checked, they were given to us by God. 
I can't forgive. Do you know what these people have done to me? Listen, last I checked, the Lord has forgiven us for way, way more. Listen, we all have something that we're holding on to. And when we read prophecy like this in the book of Jeremiah, it exposes us. It unveils our true heart. Jeremiah unveiled what they really loved. They loved their temple. They loved the accoutrements. They loved everything they had more than they loved God. And look at verse 9. They say this, after they say you shall die, they ask, why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, this house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, this man deserves the death sentence because he has prophesied against this city as you have heard with your own ears. Do you see in verse 11 and in verse 9 as they're, as they're saying this man deserves to die? They need all the people's approval. They need the mob. If you remember when Jesus was in the temple they tried to trap Jesus and Jesus said what does John the Baptist say about me that was a, was a good way out because John the Baptist said you're, you're, you're Christ you're the God well they couldn't say that because then the, if they still crucified him or they still killed him knowing that John the Baptist knew who he was the, the, the crowd would have turned against the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes. They didn't want Jesus to be a greater martyr than John the Baptist. That's why they kind of needed Rome. To humiliate them. To show them that he's not the king of kings. They needed the crowd because the crowd gave them the power. They needed the mob. And isn't this the problem today? We try to appease the mob. We try to appease the crowd and this cancel culture. We need the crowd. We need to look like we're powerful. We'll see what happens next week with Jeremiah. But we have one more point. Some of you thought I was done. They're like, yes, early. No, 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 we got one more. We've seen the content of prophecy, the good news of prophecy, the bad news of prophecy, the unveiling of prophecy, and now we're going to see the effects of prophecy. When we read a prophetic message like this, sometimes it makes people angry and they reject it and they run off and they say, I don't want to hear that anymore. And it condemns them. Sometimes when the Lord is working and the Spirit's in our hearts and we hear these types of prophecy and we know what the Lord has done, it strengthens us. That's what they call it a means of grace. We read the, the Word of God and it gives us strength and, we're, and we know the Lord more. Jeremiah read the prophecy, understood what God told him to do, and it gave him strength and power, and then he doubled down on his message. Look at what he says. They're, they're trying to kill him. They're putting him on trial to kill him, and he doesn't say, no, I can't. He says the same thing he just said. Did you say you were going to, that, that the, the city would be destroyed? He goes, yeah. Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people of the house, saying, the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house, and this city, all the words you have heard. 
Very reminiscent of Martin Luther, unless I'm convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils because they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. So help me God, amen. You know the story of Martin Luther. All the cardinals, the popes sitting there, all the councils. We can't say justification is not by faith. Did you, did you write these books that say justification by faith and faith alone? He's like, yeah, I wrote them, and I believe them. Jeremiah, did you say that God was going to destroy this city and the temple? Yeah, I said it. I'll say it again. He comes out and he says it again. You see, verse 14. 13. Now therefore, mend your ways indeed. Mend your ways and deeds, and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that I or that he has pronounced against you. Verse 14. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems right and good to you. Only know for the certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city. And its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to speak all these words in your ears. Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me, God. Amen. See, when he heard the prophecy, when he, when he trusted in God, he doubled down. He looked at the mob and said, I don't care. This is the word of God, I'm standing on it. The Lord told me to preach to you the whole counsel of God. And he says, if you don't repent, he's going to destroy the temple and destroy your city. Done. Do what you want with me. But just know, innocent blood will be on your hands. As we close, how can you not read the effects of this prophecy and not think of those three Hebrew boys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? That was the Hebrew names, and of course, when they got in front of Nebuchadnezzar and they get to Babylon, those teenage boys, their names was their names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar made this huge idol and says, Whenever the flu and the lyres played, you're gonna bend down and you're gonna worship him. All nations, all people, and all languages, no matter where you're from, you're gonna worship him, including the three Hebrew boys. They refused. To worship that idol. And Nebuchadnezzar said, heat that furnace up. We're going to throw him in there. And I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says. They said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hand. But if he doesn't, because there's a chance... We may get burnt up today. Let it be known to you, O king, we will never serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. These are boys that understood the effects of prophecy. They understood that God is bigger than idols. They understood that God will take care of them. They understood, I believe, as, as Mingledorf would also say, if he read Hebrews there, these are three boys who understood Christ and his promises. If I'm reading Hebrews 11, right? 
They knew Christ would take care of them. And my prayer is that we would read Jeremiah 26 and we'll walk away assured that, you know what? We're not serving other items. Our God will take care of us. And even if he doesn't, as Jeremiah says, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. Let's ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. It is short.